You're listening to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. But first, moment of silence, as the giant season may have come to an end today. Alec Argento. It was a quick moment of silence, so I couldn't handle it. With me today, thankfully, we have some positive stuff to talk about with uh, the New York baseball Yankees winning some games in October. How about that? But first things first, Al. Heartbreaking loss for the New York Giants today. How does your heart feel right now? I, I'm. I, it's hard for me. Um, I'm both very happy with the Yankees and very miserable with the Giants because I mean that that's their season. Two and three, you can come back from that and do something with it. Especially when they have the Eagles coming on on short rest on Thursday. You can't. I mean, you just have to take your hats off to the to the Panthers because. You can't do anything better than what they did at the end of the game. It's miserable. To Graham Goodell. Yeah, and you know what? He had, he had an extra 10 yards in that kick. That's what pisses me off the most. The Giants broke their 30-point schneid, right? They got off that schneid. They they scored 31. And what a schneid. For real. They got off that schneid. They scored 31. They they finally don't have to be the only team in the league to not score over 30 points once in the past 20,000 days or whatever it was. Two seasons. <laughs> Uh, and, and it still ended in a big fat L, and it really hurts. And we're going to talk a lot about it today, but a little cleanup here. Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento here in the house. Uh, also, if you listened to last week's episode, the Yankee Wild Card Preview, you may have heard that we have a new partner here with the SBNY Podcast, and that's Team Left Jab, Team Left Jab Boxing Radio Network. you got to check them out. They're everywhere, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, as well as on leftjaballnightboxing.com. So pumped. You know, they do mostly UFC and boxing content. I'm sure you can go there and listen to some great programs about the McGregor-Habib fight that happened on Saturday night. That was awfully exciting for many reasons, some good, some bad. But they were looking to add some New York sports content to their network, and I'm happy to provide that content. And here, providing that content with me tonight is my pal Alec Argento. That's me. That is you. So we have a lot to talk about today. We obviously are going to talk about the New York Giants because a lot happened in that game. A lot of things to actually kind of be excited about, to look forward about and and not be miserable. Obviously, it ended very poorly, so we're going to try to balance that out. Um, And also, we're going to talk about the Yankees. They're 1-1. They stole one at home, uh, on the road, actually, at the Red Sox home. And you know what they say, Alec? Series doesn't start until you win one on the road. There you go. You weren't even paying attention. You still knew what they say. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, we're going to maybe sprinkle in a little Knicks talk in there because, you know what, David Fisdale, he, the guy just knows what to say oh, at a press conference. He mm-hmm. knows what to say to the reporters, and he's making it exciting for us uh, to be Knicks fans at the moment, and we're going to try to also balance out what that may feel like in a couple months. <laughs> but the season starts very soon. The NBA Outsiders have some content coming out in the next week or so. So a lot to talk about. Um, Yankees, conf- sure. confidence level, real quick. Just give me a percent number. 65%. 65 that's weak. I really thought you were going to be higher than that. But we're going to learn all about why you're at 65%. <laughs> I might even be more confident than you. But anyway, Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento, coming at you. Stay tuned. Sixty-five. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, I don't want to get heartbroken. Well, I guess so. I guess that's a fair point. You don't want to get your hopes up too high. You still are playing a hundred eight win team, uh, and all that. But by you, the way, you must feel very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do you think I'm really worried about Nathan Avaldi at Yankee Stadium during the playoffs? No, I'm not worried about Nathan Avaldi. But I am worried about Rick Porcello if we have to face him, and I am worried about Chris Sale if we have to face him again. But you said 108 win uh, team. I don't know how this team won 108 games because that bullpen is garbage. That bottom that bottom third of their uh, lineup is garbage, and three out of their five starters are horrible. Well, actually, probably four of them. That's not a sale. I mean, really, is David Price is your number two, and he stinks. He stinks so bad. And he stinks especially hard against the New York baseball and Yankees. Especially against Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, gosh, man. Uh, something up with David Price. He just can't do it against you guys. He just can't. But like you said, Chris Sale, obviously you have to be a little worried about him. 
Rick Porcello, though, you really you're gonna put him in a class of worry, like for an opposing team. Uh, he's his stats aren't great, but he kills the Yankees. Really interesting. I did not know he was one of those guys. Um, it, at the stadium, um, Porcello and Ovaldi do not have good numbers. Uh, well, I mean Ovaldi, not counting him as a Yankee, uh, right. c- counting him in other in other jerseys, has not been good at home. Even even with the Yankees, probably hasn't been good. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, we're also throwing out Luis Severino, who could be, who could throw you a perfect game. We could also throw you a clunker and get it knocked out in the first inning. Um, and the same thing with CC Sabathia. Both of them have great numbers at home this year compared to the road, and I think that's why they set it up the way that they did. Right. And uh, you know, sure, it would be nice to celebrate it at, at home uh, going to the ALCS. It had to feel really good twofold. First is. Luis Severino in the wildcard game really came out and performed. And then second, the lineup is looking strong. And obviously, uh, game one, when you lost to the Red Sox, doesn't feel that great. Uh, But just seeing the pure power and the pure ability from top to bottom of this team to make plays offensively, you you really wonder where the the Yankees fans' confidence was all year. But then you remember that the team was so injured, mm-hmm. and that may be one of the main reasons why we look at the Red Sox and the Yankees in such a different echelon at this po- moment is because their two stars, Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, were mostly very, very healthy. And Aaron Judge missed a chunk, a big chunk. D.D. Gregorius missed a big chunk. Gary Sanchez was a shell of himself during the regular season. And still missed a gigantic chunk of the game. So you, yeah. you didn't have him the entire year. He basically, even when he was there, he wasn't there is my point. So mm-hmm. he was either hurt or not performing. And those are the three preseason presumed locks for positive players on the team. And you all still won 100 games. So... It makes sense that the confidence wasn't there for the Yankees throughout the season because you just kept looking up at the standings and seeing a much higher win total than you. But now that the team is healthy and you look at this lineup, is there a point, one through nine, where you're like, ah, like I wish the I wish we weren't at this point in the lineup? Because when you get to Andujar, you have to be nervous. When you're at Torres, you, you have to be nervous. And now with Sanchez swinging like he did the other night, he is a threat again. I, I was listening. I was I was obviously watching the game. I, by the way, I watched it at a uh, sick brag. By I, the way, <laughs> I was I was at um, a Boston. Uh, I was at a Red Sox bar. In, in really, South, uh, Professor Tom's. They did that on purpose. That's a little. <clears throat> that's a little crazy. A little yeah. frisky move yeah, by you. Yeah, they weren't really happy, but that's just because their team sucks. What? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> throwing uh, shit. Hold on. I have to, uh, we're gonna hit the brakes there for a second. Uh, what was your reasoning for going to a Red Sox bar? Oh, uh, you know me. Well, I do. I do know you, but. Our listeners may not know you the way I know you. I just thought it would be fun to rub it in their faces. I wasn't really worried about that game. I figured we were going to win it. And, so uh, you said you were at a 65 confidence level, yet you walked in like Conor McGregor into the, into the Boston <laughs> well, I don't Sox like, bar. I don't like that it's my city and they have their own bar. I'm not going to let that happen. You have every other bar. And I want that bar too. I don't want them to have a bar. Go back to your trash city and do that there. Be, what about all the Yankees? Be trash fans? in your trash city. What about all the Yankees fans who went who shipped up to Boston this year? Good weekend? for them. Proud of them. Proud of them. Do they get a Yankee? Is there a Yankees bar in Boston, you think? I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, if they want, they can come to Professor Tom's with me and, and roll down the house. <laughs> <laughs> How was the exp- I'm sorry that I'm, I'm going off on this. This is interesting to me. How was that experience? Were you getting hate? Were you getting. Oh, my God. They were so was it Was it friendly crap talk? No, like, it, was was it, it was aggressive. And I wasn't really doing And typically I would just be very aggressive about it. I was just clapping when, you know, when Sanchez hits a 400 and, and, and five, well, you know, 600 foot home run uh, out of the ballpark. Uh, and they didn't like that. So I just smiled and laughed and. They they didn't know what how to react to that because they thought I was going to be a lot more aggressive uh, than I was and uh, it's really weird. <laughs> so you killed them with two things: kindness and actually just beating their asses. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, they wouldn't be upset if I if I if I was losing. <laughs> That's funny. That's good stuff. I've actually I I can't say I've ever been in that in that place where I've really hardcore rooted against a team that. Uh, was going against the entire bar. Yeah, <laughs> like, that I've was never, awesome. I've never been there before. When I was a little kid, I went to a Yankees-Red Sox home, uh, uh, home opener or opening day, and I wore a Matsui jersey, but it was a Kaz Matsui jersey. That's a, that's a great move. Mets, Matt, Kaz Matsui jersey, and I was rooting for the Red Sox, which was, I was like 12. It was not a nice thing to do. One guy told I me that he F- was offended with your Kaz Matsui. <laughs> yeah, no, one guy told me to, one, <laughs> Kaz, yeah, I, told, I told my friend who's a big Yankee fan, I was like, I'm wearing a Matsui jersey, don't worry about it. 
So I tricked him. <laughs> but I, one one guy yelled at me to f off, and some my friend's dad stood up and looked at him. He said, "Kid's fucking twelve. Leave him alone." He's like, "All right, fine." That was it. <laughs> Not that exciting of a story. Uh, anyway, well, <laughs> I, the reason I brought that up though, I was watching the highlights because I wasn't able to listen to it there, uh, and. Um, that three-run home run. I mean, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't that. But they they were mentioning about how you can't walk the eight and nine hitter who was Gardner and Torres. Gardner and Torres may technically be the eight and nine hitter for us. They're not eight and nine hitters. They're not an easy out. They're not like a Sandy Leone or something like, or Jackie Bradley Jr. You know that that lineup is potent and uh, it doesn't quit. Glaber Torres, true, that, true or false, would be like the third, the three hole on the Mets. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, this is also like Andrew, Andrew Aaron Hicks is hurt, and we just slide Breck Arner in. Yeah, it you, doesn't matter. You just slide like a ten-year vet who's been around the block, World Series champ. He was like the leader of the team. Yeah, the heart and soul. Yeah, and you just slide him in, and it's fine. That's not bad. All right, another thing I want to talk about here because obviously the lineup is super potent, and we'll probably get back to that in a moment. But the bullpen has been. Uh, it's been a, a mostly positive for the Yankees this entire season, and the numbers oh, yeah. prove it's been positive. But there has been moments where uh, people are critical of Aaron Boone, how he's handling the bullpen, throwing Batances out for multiple innings, going Batances over Green or vice versa, just different things of that nature. So through the three playoff games we've played so far, the wild card and the two against the Red Sox, how have you judged Boone, who I know you've been critical of mostly this year, how have you seen Boone react in the moment and also prep for these playoff games. I think he's managed flawlessly, actually. Really? Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm super glad. The, the, that wild card game. The only thing in the wild card game I would have I disliked is uh, it ended up working out, but you got to give Batances clean innings. If you're, if you're going to have that quick of a, a hook with uh, Severino in the fourth inning, just don't put him out there. Um, but other than that, even in game one of the ALDS, we should have lost that game. We outplayed the Red Sox. When we have bases loaded, no outs, and we score. I don't even know if we scored a run. We might have scored one run on it. But Stanton strikes out. Everyone strikes out, and that you know that's not the that's not the manager's fault. Um, he's made tough decisions that have all worked out for him. Sanchez, people did not want Sanchez to start. Looks like he made the right moves there. Yes. All of his bullpen moves, even putting Lance Lynn and and everything like that, so you don't burn your your strong arms for the next games and everything like that. He's been he's been fantastic so far. I, I have no complaints. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And you know that I very much so try to expose the Yankee fan who just constantly will hate on Boone and hate on you know upper management and things of that nature because I look at it from the outsider's perspective where I don't have the expectations of success and making the right decision, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have the luxury of... You want them to make just competent decisions. Right. I do not have the luxury with my sports franchises to assume that my team is going to do the right thing. Unfortunate yeah. truth there, right? So I always try to kind of bring the Yankees fans down to earth. And the one thing I was really interested in with this playoffs uh, run here is how are people going to react to boom when things go right and when things go wrong? Will he get the credit? Will he get the blame? What have you seen out of your fan friends and your Twitter feed, uh, basically about Aaron Boone, if anything? Because I feel like it hasn't really been brought up in, yeah. in my circles, which I guess no press is good press for Aaron. That's Aaron what Boone I was gonna say. I haven't until he wins something. I, I haven't noticed any match. I mean, granted, it's three games, um, of course, but uh, I, I I truly haven't seen anything, which is weird because I know I, it's very easy to notice when he's doing something like that. You know, I'm I'm always critical of him and I, I guess people just don't they'd rather be critical and be quiet when, when when there's no reason to be instead of being complimentary um but yeah no I, I and you know me I hate the guy uh but I think he's been I think he's been fantastic so far in, in the playoffs he's making all the right moves um maybe it's just because they're working out you know? how about the Hatcheveria defensive replacement yeah that's that snag Oh my God! I mean, when you know that, that line driver that, against the A's. That, that's what I'm saying too. Is that it, movement was perfect. It's time. not. It's not easy to take Andrew Har's bat out of the lineup, and uh, you know, having the balls to to, to put Tejavari in there is it, early in the game is pretty pretty crazy. What was it like the sixth well. inning? I think early in that. Was it? it? Was like, I think it was like the fourth or fifth inning. Wow! <laughs> but he also did it in the last game too, and he's doing the opposite of what the Red Sox the Red Sox are doing too. Like they'll they're 
take they're not starting Brock Holt or Rafi Devers because they're defensive liabilities out there. Uh, so he's starting the defensive the defensive guys in and then putting the offensive guys in afterwards. And it just hasn't worked for them. Their their offense has been stagnant. Uh, it's too little, too late. Um, oh, let's just take a look inside the Boston Red Sox here for a moment. We sure. kind of mentioned this earlier. You kind of said, I don't know if you said it off air before we started recording or on air. I kind of forget this moment, but you mentioned how seeing this team now face face to face with the Yankees, it doesn't feel like they were a hundred and eight win team. Their lineup doesn't feel that that deep, and also you're only really scared of Sale and Porcello. So. Looking at this Red that's Sox, that's just the Yankees, like Porcello. Porcello hasn't been good outside of the Yankees. He has well, like fair. A four, Either he has like way, four eight ERA. Either way. So now that you've played two games and you're heading back to to New York, how how are you judging this team? Like, where, where are the points in the lineup where you're like crap? Like, oh crap! Like, who are the people you're scared of? Because I know when I watch basketball, there are guys who have the ball, and it's like something something could happen. You know, when you see DeAndre Hopkins for the Texans get targeted, you're like, he could make a big play. Who's the guy on the Red Sox that steps up to the plate and you're like shit? Uh, I mean, I, if there I, is one, I, at the I'm moment. not really afraid. If there's Mo- one at the moment. I'm not really afraid of Mookie Betts. He doesn't do anything of the postseason. He always crawls up and in, in, into a ball and doesn't do anything. JD Martinez scares the crap out of me. Um, I'm not afraid of Bogarts. Really, he'll get you. A hit. He'll get a hit for you every now and then. I mean, is it really anyone? Anyone? Benintendi. Benintendi scares me. Really? Yeah, he's that's, that's semi surprising. Even, even Sale doesn't really scare me because he's he was hittable in that first game. I mean, they get, they knocked him out relatively early and they got to the bullpen and it was just a war of attrition. That's what they're gonna do to you, the Yankees. Uh, I, like I said, they should have won that game. They had they left like twelve people in scoring position that entire game. It was it was frustrating, um, and they lost by one run. Um, they should have won that game. Five four was that? That was mm-hmm. the five four game. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you go, but you go back to the stadium. Yankees have been awesome at, at home this year, and that's what you want. And, and you were at—I was actually just going to ask you—you were at the wild card game. And I'm going tomorrow. Well, oh, going, I go to all the home games. It's like Greg. Uh, um, what was the wild card game like in comparison to last year's wild card game? Because I know you were at both. Yeah, well, so so I'm trying to do what I did last year. Last year I went to all but one uh, home game in the playoffs. I want to do all of them this year. Um, and you're trying to one up yourself. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna take it all the way to the, to the Canyon of Heroes, and they're gonna say, "Hey, Alec, you're my big, you're our biggest fan. Get on the float with us." <laughs> and then me and Luke Voigt get to be, they get to high five each other. And then you're gonna say, "Oh, this is my friend Pete. He does a podcast. He doesn't no. like you guys, but he's pretty chill." <laughs> Maybe, but you have to be nice to Luke because Luke Voigt is is my favorite. Luke person. Legend, of course. Um, but uh, the, last year I. It felt people would like to say there's nothing like the old stadium. It was exactly like the old stadium uh, last year, and it's been exactly that again. And if they keep up that going forward, it was getting in everyone's heads last year. They didn't lose a game at home for that reason. I mean, it, it's it's the Bronx Zoo. I mean, it is loud. Every two strike count, you can't hear yourself think. You don't have your. I still I'm still recovering from my voice from the wild card game, and I'm gonna lose it again tomorrow. Yeah, you sound horrible right yeah. now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's so much fun. The atmosphere is incredible. Everyone's on the same side. There's, I mean, you know, not a ton of uh, uh, pessimism there. Everyone's really optimistic there, and everyone knows that there's a chance until the last out, which is awesome too. They don't get like you look at the Red Sox. That crowd was not into it. Uh, right. They got deflated right they got away. To, oh my! Oh, as soon as well, Judge hit a home run in the first inning. Yeah, that that'll take the wins out of your it, it hasn't Chris even Sale. Landed yet? I think his. Uh, uh, oh, taking wins out of Chris. Okay, uh, I like that. All right, all right. A, there it okay. is. I'll give it a four point five. Fine, I'm with it. I'll sign me up for it. Sign me up. I'm, I'm good. Question though. Sure. Is there somebody on the Yankees that may come to mind if I told you that the extreme hype machine inside a Yankee Stadium and the, and the noise and the excitement? Do you think anybody on the Yankees is affected negatively from it? From the noise? Yeah, from from the moment, from the spotlight. Because obviously you said it, it feels like it makes opponents kind of crumble think, up into a ball. Do you think it could negatively affect any Yankee players if yeah, they're not ready for this moment? I, I think the rookies. I think Andujar and Torres. I don't think they've looked good so far. Um, it's tough. You know, they're they're trying to do too much, which is understandable. That's why teams that are young don't usually win, is because they're all trying to make that play and be that guy. Um, 
you know, even Stanton, definitely Stanton too. I was Stanton, surprised you didn't bring him up first. Stanton, if you didn't, I was. I, gonna. I wasn't thinking about it, but Stanton's gonna hit the hear the booze uh, this game. You think so? He he's been horrible. He's always horrible. He's always striking out. I hate him. He's been so this entire year. He's I know you you don't think he does. He deserves all the booze that he gets. He's been horrible. He was he's been such a bust so far. Maybe next year he's better, but this year he was a bust. You don't think that he put some offensive weight on his shoulders you when Judge watch, was out. You don't want I he won like we won like tw- uh it was like two weeks where he was good and then be back down to earth and he sucked again. And for the most part, most of his most of his hits, most of his runs whatever is in meaningless points of the game where they're either down by a lot or they're up by a lot. He doesn't do anything in the clutch. He always strikes out when there's runners in scoring position. Um he you would he have 33 home runs this year or something like that. It's nothing. A little higher than that, maybe. I forget it off the top of my head. It was in the 30s. Yeah, it was in the uh, 30s. And, uh, I mean, in, in, you're, you're batting fourth in this lineup. You're, you should have more than 100 RBIs. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess, is he the only guy right now that you're sincerely not happy with from a Yankee standpoint? Well, I guess it's just the difference. There's, you know, relative expectations because I have different expectations for him than I have for Glaber Torres. So, you can live with the mistakes. You can live with the big strikeout because... He's he just got here. Yeah, he literally just got here. He's still figuring it out. Like that doesn't bother me. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, he, uh, Giancarlo Stanton had a number of home runs that I'm finding he right 33 now. Thirty-three or thirty-seven. I forget which one it is. I don't know. Whatever. Thirty-seven. I think. Whatever. I'm not fact checking. Who cares? Who freaking cares, man? He's no Christian Yelich. That's true. Facts. All right. Quickly around the baseball league. Uh, first, let's keep it near the Yankees. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to say the Yankees are a lock to win this thing, though the confidence of, across the league, across my Twitter feed, people I've been talking to. 67% of teams that, uh, if the away team steals a game on the road, win, win that series. Good stat. 67% chance right here. That's why you went 65. You just hedged a little bit. Went under. Yeah. Um, people are very confident right now. The Yankees have a really good chance to win this series. Anyways. Let's just look forward for a moment, just because you know we we may not be talking again until this series over. Who knows? So, look at the Astros, who look like they're going to take it. The Indians don't look great. The Dodgers are you know beating the Braves, not at the very moment while we're recording this podcast, but they're up 2-0, maybe two one by tomorrow. Maybe they'll come back while we record this podcast. What other teams are have you been impressed by, if any, at all? I, I'm not. I'm, I've said this. Is it the Astros or nothing? At I don't this even point? think it's the Astros. I said it the entire year. There's only two teams that have a chance of winning the World Series this year: the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's it. The, the National League sucks. The National League. I, I don't care if it was the Brewers, the Rockies, the Dodgers, or the Braves, or whoever who was in the, also uh, the Cubs could have been. Um, they have no shot at winning a World Series. The Astros will make it an interesting uh, ALCS for whoever they play, whether it's the Yankees or the Red Sox, but they're not winning it. And it's so hard to beat a team twice. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to do it twice. That, that's the biggest thing. I mean, they didn't really improve this year from last year. I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox improved significantly. Yeah, and the, and the Astros were not healthy either. No. Interesting. Uh, the Astros are probably the only team that, that that seems scary, that seems like a real chance. It does feel like an NBA thing. It feels like the West versus the East in the NBA. Yeah. It feels like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros are the big three teams. And then, oh, the Dodgers are pretty good and we'll respect them. Not really scared of the Braves. They're too young. No one's scared of the Rockies. They're out. But at the the same Brewers t- have Yelich and they're yeah. hot right now. But like, do you really are you really scared of the the Brewers in a World Series? I'll tell you. You know who I was scared about the most throughout this entire playoffs? I thought the A's were, were scared. The, they scared the crap out of me. I was terrified. They're of them. a frisky team, and it's we yeah they are. They're definitely frisky, and it's weird because they're they have no pitchers like, and they still scared the crap out of me to win ninety seven games with like Edwin Jackson and Brett Anderson and. <laughs> And uh, truly, it truly is bizarre. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's genuinely crazy. Like you gotta have. Yeah, like that, I'm a big like. There's, you know, I've told you this before. Like teams have the magic, and I thought they had the magic this year. They scared the crap out of me. If we didn't win that, if we didn't get home field advantage, we were not beating them. What did you think of the the funny little Billy Bean Brian Cashman rumors about Cashman was like getting dinner? Let's go get like dinner that. and not check the score. How about that how, was pretty neat. How about Aaron Judge um, playing the New York New York? Yes, game? that's great. Shade, straight shade, throwing. Because it's like you just don't expect it out of him, but he he's he hates the Red Sox. Right? But he's also just so he is he is one of the most likable superstars in sports right now. Can I can I ask you a question? Who's more of a Yankee, Aaron Judge or Luke Voigt? 
<laughs> no, they're two totally different okay. types of people. Okay. No, no, no. no. I, don't, I mean, like, like, the, like a stereotypical Yankee. Because Aaron Judge is what we like to think of ourselves as fans. Is you, it's uh, you versus the guy she told you not to worry about. <laughs> it's it's like you looking in the mirror and it's like not seeing what you think you see. Like v- Luke Voigt is like a meathead. Luke Lloyd? Yeah, Luke Lloyd. Uh, Luke Voigt is a meathead. He's dumb. He's a Yankee fan. Like he just he, he you know he wears his jersey with no undershirt, just unbuttoned all the way with chains hanging out and everything. Uh, you know he, he he's just a meathead and he loves to work out and things like that. And then you have Aaron Judge, who is the consummate professional, never says the wrong thing. Who's more of a Yankee? <laughs> Let's open it up to you, listeners. <laughs> at Sportblog NYC, hit us on Twitter or me at pkennedy 2 wise uh, Is Aaron Judge and Luke Voigt you versus the guy she told you not to worry about? <laughs> who's the Who's the more real Yankee? Aaron Judge or Luke Voigt? That's a good question. Um, let's say, I'm going to tell you this, from the outside perspective, there's an easy answer. It's Aaron Judge because we look at you guys as what you think you are, but you guys possibly feel like Luke Voigt. Like on the inside, you're like, you're like, I'm Luke Voigt, but you're saying, no, no, I'm Aaron Judge on the outside. Like, don't, no, I'm not Luke Voigt. I'm Aaron Judge. I, I From love- our perspective over here, yeah. the little, the little boys who don't have as many win- winning seasons as you have rings. Uh, yeah, we think you're Aaron Judge. I just love Luke Voigt so much. He's he's, he's the best. He makes me so. He's, he's the best. He should scare the shit out of the. Excuse my language. He should scare the shit out of the Red Sox. That's the guy who, who like hits a. Who hits a grand slam when they're like with two outs left in in the ninth, uh, to to clinch the uh, the ALDS? Like that's hit, that's who he is. And he's definitely like you know the he's Luke, too dumb to you know what, you know what the states. difference is. Luke Voigt on the Yankees is like a guy who's actually performing and doing positive things on a winning team. The Luke Voigts of the Mets and the Knicks are like Ron Baker. <laughs> yeah. Where they don't actually do anything that great, yeah, like but Luke we Boyd's still love them. Thirty-eight and had fifteen home runs in like a month and a half of being on the Yankees. And then you have Rob Baker, who's really yeah. he really sucks. He's hurt all the time. <laughs> he does like some good things when he's on the court, and like I root for. Uh, he's uh, I'll stand by him all day. That's my boy right there. <laughs> Mixer full of Luke Voigt's who don't have any stats to back it up. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like if Luke Voigt was on the Mets, he'd be Ty Wigginton. Like if you know who that is, I don't, just like I don't journeyman know. ends up playing on nine different teams, but you always be like, oh, he was on the Mets and he hit that one home run that one time. <laughs> like that's my guy, even though he's totally not your guy. That's Luke Voigt on the Mets. It's Ty Wigginton. Oh, I love Luke Voigt. Uh, anyways, uh, Sports Block New York podcast. Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento, chilling here. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Team Left Jab, Team Left Jab Boxing Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, the whole nine. Everywhere you listen to podcasts. I mean, you 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 don't have to listen to it on their feed because you know our feed is also here. You know, I don't want you to pick sides. We're not trying to we're not trying to lose anybody. We just want people to hear this program, enjoy it, talk some sports, talk some talk some New York sports. What just happened there? I have this the socks in my mind, I guess. Um but no, for real. Thank you guys for listening as always. If you feel so kind, drop in a rating and review. That's such such a great way for us to really feel that you're listening and caring about the show because we love doing it and it's great to get some interaction. I actually got a shout out from Mike Wright on Twitter the other day. Right after our wildcard preview episode, Mike came out and tweeted at me in Sportblog NYC and said, you know, he basically he, I was actually really proud of this. Alec, you might might appreciate this as well. He said to me, Thank you for not being a super Yankee hater. Because I, I think that. what that meant to me is like he knows I like to make jokes when I can, when I because I know when I can and when I can't. And right now I can't, and I'm rooting for the Yankees maybe because I threw a schmeckle on him. Who knows? But shout out Mike Wright. He likes schmeckle the show. Or a schmeckle. A schmeckle? A, sh- a shekel or a schmeckle? Schmeckle. I'm thinking of Rick and Morty. <laughs> Buy those movies for 25 schmeckles. Um, <laughs> so shout out Mike Wright. Thanks for listening, man. I appreciate that a ton. But let's move on here to football. Because it's football season, do we too. Have to? Uh Yeah, we do have to, unfortunately. So, in short, in a short intro here, the Giants played well at moments. Coulda, shoulda, woulda won the game. There were some really positive things that we liked. Uh, on the other side, the Jets ran the crap out of the ball. I know you didn't watch the Jet game because you were locked in on the Giants, but I was doing a lot of flipping. And they rushed for over 300 yards, which is insane. Isaiah Crowell had 219 yards. And Sam Darnold threw at least three, three absolute three dimes. Dimes. Terrell Pryor made a sick one-handed catch on one of them, but he hit Robbie Anderson on a beautiful throw over the top. It was fun to watch for Jets fans. And you know what? I don't think the Jets fans have a lot of expectations to like win or make the playoffs or anything like that. But if Sam Darnold can do this 
against mediocre teams like the Broncos, you know, you're not going to expect Sam Darnold to go to Foxborough and win. You're not going to, right? But if he can throw some touchdowns, he can make you excited for the future, win five to seven games. God damn, you sign up for that every day of the week sure. for a rookie quarterback. Sure. So maybe we'll talk a little more about Sam in a moment, but we got to talk about the big story here. It's the New York Football Giants. So right off the bat, they they move the ball. They're, they're not punching it in, right? When you saw the trick play, the little screen, um, not screen pass because it was a lateral, but the lateral to Odell, he rolls back to the middle, throws the bomb to, to Saquon. Saquon a great trick play. It didn't feel like the Giants of old. It didn't remind me of a time of my Giants fanhood, which I think is a good thing. It was almost a turning of a leaf. It brought a real confidence to the field, to the team, to the offense specifically because the defenses looked pretty, pretty good this yeah. year. So when you saw that trick play and it worked, how did you feel from that point moving forward to how you felt before it? Oh, you got to get jazzed up. I mean, you got to be creative when when you're the Giants of old, like third, you know, the third and down, let's do a draw play. A th- a third and ten, let's do a draw play or do a, a, a two yard pass. Like third and seven, let's get six. Yeah, exactly. It, it just didn't feel like that. It looks like they were trying to actively change things. I mean, everything you want out of the offense. This, I mean, you literally they, their offense was great this this week. Uh, you. Eli threw a bomb, a 33-yard bomb to, to Odell. You know, he got that that 50-yard pass or whatever it was to the other Shepard, not the not Sterling Shepard one. Um, Saquon looked, you know, was was making plays and everything. The offense was functioning well. What killed us was the 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 touchdown on, on the uh, on the kick on the punt, which was ridiculous because Odell screwed us on that one. Um, and the, the officiating, and it, it was horrible. And the officiating has been horrible all year. Uh, I'm not saying it's been, like, uneven, because I, I, I don't know about that. I just focus on the Giants more, you know. But <clears throat> that, that hitting a defenseless receiver play, was on Landon Collins? No, They called Landon Collins, but it was probably Michael yeah. Thomas. They yeah, meant. that was ridiculous. That, he, there, there's nowhere else for him to go. There's absolutely nowhere else for, for him to go. That was an unfair call. And I know you disagree with me on this one, but the, the unnecessary roughness on, on Cam. Uh, I just didn't think that one was as bad as the other one. I, I thought they were both pretty egregious. And they have to be bad for you to make that call because they're such heavy penalties. Yeah. Um, and then they, they score touchdowns on both of them, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah. Um, the one, I mean, I, I'm, you know how I kind of— They're both on third down, too. You know how I kind of act in regards to the whole penalties thing all the time. Oh, I wait, always— wait. wait, can I make yeah. one more point course, that I just course. forgot to say? Yeah. Christian McCaffrey did not get that first down at the end of the game, uh, and then they spiked the ball, which that should have been a turnover down. Yes. He did not get that first down. I was actually shocked they didn't measure. How do you not? He very clearly did not get that. Like, without a doubt in my mind. And then he spiked the ball, which should have been a turnover on downs. Well, the reason why it shouldn't have been is because they gave him the first. But they should have stopped the measure. No, I'm just saying. Of course. Yeah, yeah. That is – that was – I don't know how it took me that long to bring that up. It is unreal that they let that go and just didn't even try to measure it. Yeah. It – I was watching that game at that moment. I was like, how how are they not stopping? It's under two minutes. The Giants can't challenge. They don't have timeouts. Like, something has to give here. There needs to be a measurement or or a booth review, and there just wasn't. But let's go back to the Landon Collins, Michael Thomas hit thing that happened before because the referee said 21. Uh, The broadcast team kind of alluded to he probably meant 31. But that, that is not a way to call a penalty in the deciding moment of a game. You don't say... 21 when 21 was the guy who leaped out with both hands and almost intercepted the ball because he was going for the ball and you know how I am on the penalties debates all the time I don't get worked up over this stuff I I live with the penalties I live with the mistakes of the referees I think they have one of the hardest jobs in sports they can't win no one ever says that was a well officiated game like when do you ever hear that you don't so I always try to just relax on this stuff but that one really hurt, and maybe it was because I had hope for the Giants at that point. The let's be honest, if that happened in the first quarter, I would it wouldn't have hurt. It wouldn't have felt that bad, right? Because I don't I didn't think we had a great chance to win. But then the offense started clicking. That trick play really flipped the script Galvin on the offense, and and Landon Collins almost intercepted it, and he is the one who hit Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas's hands 
were going towards. Uh, I think it was Funches, right? Was it yeah, Funches? Devin Funches, right? Yeah, well, I think it was Funches. Whatever. It might have been DJ Moore. Anyway, the, the Panthers receiver, his hands were leading the way. And then after Collins bumped into his own teammate, then his helmet made contact with the receiver. And, and that was one of the more oh, frustrating calls I've the, seen this year. Also, there was year. a very clear face mask on Saquon. That I think they pulled the, picked the flag up on it. Um, very clear uh, that didn't get called. And it's hard. It's hard after a loss to be like, "Oh, the refs, the refs." Because I hate that. I hate blaming stuff on the refs because there's other things that the Giants could have done to win the game. Well, anyway. actually, literally, they couldn't have. But there, in there this was, in there this actually, moment, <laughs> that like literally was it four plays later, the Christian McCaffrey scored yeah. a touchdown. That that stings. That hurts. And it, it was a bad one. I mean, actually, literally with this game, they did everything they should. They could have done to win. Uh, which was limit them to a 62-yard pl- field goal with with no time on the clock, and they still won. So at that point, you just tip it, tip your cap. But for me, I mean, I'm not a really a big blame the refs kind of guy, right? Unless it's egregious. I felt that today was egregious. I felt today was definitely an egregious situation, and it, you know, it's, it's especially because it was the giant season on the line. You know, two and three is not insurmountable. One and four is, is insurmountable. And especially in this division, and we'll talk about this in a second. But the Eagles lost today. The Redskins play the Saints tomorrow. Not an easy win. The Cowboys are playing as we speak against the Texans in Houston. Texan, Texans have a lead in the second quarter as we speak. Um, so this division is open. If there's a year where a one and three can flip and become positive, this is probably it. Mm-hmm. And I listen to uh, GM Street. It's a Ringer podcast with Mike Lombardi. He's a former GM, Patriots exec, whatever. He's a legit like NFL exec. And he 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 calls the first four games of the season the preseason. He doesn't care about the right the the real preseason, and he considers the first four games of the season the preseason. He's like, you don't really judge a team until week five, six, seven. You can't. These people are still getting to know each other. There's new energy. There's playing a full four quarters with somebody versus two drives. Odell didn't play at all. So this is really now the time where you can truly evaluate the Giants. And based off today, there was more positives today than there may have been combined throughout the first four weeks, including their one win. Whether it be Odell, whether it be Saquon, I think Eli Manning, despite the two interceptions, even though they're on back-to-back passes and that made it feel a lot worse, Eli Manning looked better today than any other day this year. I think he looked just as good today. That uh, looked, I think he looked better than Cam Newton did. Cam Newton did not look great, and he threw his, his, his share of pick as well. Um what, so that's what, did, what makes it frustrating. What did Odell say in the in the post game today that everyone was going nuts about? Today say. or did, in the pregame? Today, before no, the post game. I did not catch the, the post game. Well, we probably should have did our research on this because research smishmerch. Yeah, apparently it was a big deal. And we'll look um, it up. Oh, what's it called? Well, what I was actually going to bring up to you uh, was actually more hindsight. So remember what Odell said earlier in the week before the game. I kind of wanted to bring that up. Pat Shermer comes out before today's game and said he was actually. I think the quote was livid. He was livid with Odell Beckham. He said he need, yeah. he he asked him to take responsibility, apologize to his teammates, take ownership of what he said, and this and that. And, and I totally get it. And I think Shermer said what he had to say in that moment. But looking at the way they played today, looking at how they rallied around Odell, who they got in in the game, they got him active early. They got Saquon he, he active early. There is much reason to believe that Odell's comments before the game negative against the team, against the coaches, against the Eli Manning, may have helped and may have sparked a fire. Is that is that reaching? No, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't really have a problem with that word comments. I think it's, it's a lot of much ado about nothing with uh, with Odell's comments and, and how he behaves a lot of the time. I don't. It really doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you know the old heads. Oh there. yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 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 same thing with like uh, with Landon Collins because Landon Collins does stuff like that all the time. People get on him for being a bad teammate. I don't know. I think I think you, you should be able to call out people that need to be called out. Um, light, light, you know, light a fire under their ass. There's the forever battle in the NFL for people like Landon Collins and Odell Beckham skill positions, the the true skill positions and the non quarterback skill positions who get labeled divas a lot, right? So Odell gets labeled a diva if he comes out and says something. Critical of his teammates. Oh, he's being difficult. He's being selfish. He's being this. He's being that. But if a quarterback comes out and says it, he's being a leader, right? But now that we're paying Odell the big bucks, he is considered a leader on this team. And to be honest, I didn't hate what he said. I thought what he said was honest. And as fans, as media, we always we always get stuck in wanting athletes to be honest and wanting them not to say the wrong thing. Where do you, where do you draw the line? 
Because did you disagree with anything he said no, about them no, not no. throwing downfield? No, I'm with it. I'd rather him show emotion than, you know, just just take it. I mean, sometimes it gets really frustrating with the Eli phase where he just doesn't show any emotion. You know, like I don't like I, you know, I'd rather see somebody, rather see Cece Zabathia get pissed off when some, someone screws up, uh, than him just you know shake his head and like, oh, well, what are you gonna do? You know, that stuff gets teammates going. It galvanizes people. Well, there's something to be said about Eli being consistent and being the same whether they're losing by 20 or up by 20, which <laughs> remember when the Giants are up by 20 because I don't remember that time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the years where they won the Super Bowls and where they, they were winning and they were consistently in the playoff hunt, there were other guys on the team, mostly defensive players. You think of Strahan in the first run. Um, I'm trying to think who was, who was the guy in the second run maybe. But – OC, Justin Tuck. The defensive line, just in general. What were the heart, were the soul of the team. Maybe the Giants don't have that right now. And maybe Odell being the outspoken guy, being honest, keeping his teammates accountable, maybe that's something they actually need. Can you call out Olivier Vernon for never playing? What a waste. He's he what a waste of money. That he, hurts. And he's so I think most of his money is guaranteed too. Yeah, he, probably is. He's played like three games since he became a giant. Uh, and we don't have Pierre Paul or anything anymore. Let's bring. I back. mean, but the defense looks good, dude. It doesn't look bad. You're right. I agree with you. You know what's crazy? You see who the uh, the the uh, Panthers special teams coach is? No, Chase Blackburn. Hmm? Remember Chase Blackburn? What the linebacker? Yeah, from the giant. Remember that he was like like we called him like the day before the Super Bowl because somebody got hurt and he was like being like a substitute teacher in like Indiana. Uh, he used to play for us, and then we just called him back, and he made that. I forget what he, he did. He had a huge pick in the uh, in the, the last our last Super Bowl. Ah, oh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I saw him because when they muffed the punt, they were like, "And there's Chase Blackburn." Uh, shout out was, Chase yeah. Blackburn. Also, uh, shout out David Deal, by the way, because I was actually uh, I was at the fan today, and quick Yankees tie-in, real quick. They opened the NFL preview show with a, a Yankee segment, just because you know they won last night. It was exciting, whatnot. And uh, I learned that Yankees callers are not very active when they win. Not a lot to say. Really? I don't know, because, you know, when the Yankees lose, the, the phone lines, like, light up, and people are complaining, and they got critical things to say about Giancarlo and Boone and pitchers and Patances and blah, blah, blah. Yankees win? It's kind of crickets, which is I thought was interesting. Well, you know, it's fun. We, we've, we're kind of losing all of our guys that we hated. We don't have, um, you know, we don't have the Chase and Treves anymore. We don't have the Greg Birds anymore. It's really just Stan and everyone else we like. We don't – we have, like – the. Uh, uh, don't really like Zach Britton that much. Yeah, I give Zach Britton that. Pleasure. He doesn't. He doesn't feel like he has any stripes at all. No, he, there's he no sucks. stripes on Britton. We also jersey. wasted a lot of like cap, uh, like rookie. I mean, uh, farm system capital on him. Yeah. Well, back to the Giants Sorry. real quick. Sorry. No, I brought it up, not you. Back to the Giants real quick. Now that they're sitting at one and four, obviously there's positives to draw, even with the heartbreak at the end with the 63 yard field goal. Is there a point where this season really can hit the fan? Because the way they played today and the way they fought today, I have I actually leave today's game with faith that they're going to compete and they're going to go and play the Eagles on Thursday. And I don't know if they're going to win, I but think I, I think they're going to be in it. I think they're going to fight. Like they showed fight today. That they 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 showed fight in some other games. You know, they 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 hung around against the Saints and they they made it close. They hung around against the Jaguars in Week One. They made it close, but today had a new energy. Do you think there's a point? Do you think there's a, a record like a number? One and seven or two and whatever. Do you think there's a point where where that gets lost and this becomes a lost season again? I think it's already a lost season, but because <clears throat> I think they're gonna win this week, um, because I think there's some kind of stat where it's like seventy um, percent of away teams um, on Thursday night football lose because they don't get to practice. They don't, you know, that's at least the home team gets is comfortable that you know they don't, you know. It's not rushed for them as much as it is for the other team, so I think they win that game. Uh, these teams don't like each other. Uh, there's no love lost there, right? Uh, you know they can throw out the record books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles don't look great either. No, nobody in the NFC East looks good. <clears throat> so that being said, you said we talked about percentage of confidence before with the Yankees. One and four is obviously a real hole, sitting in fourth place in the NFC East. Just give me a number. Um, percent confidence the Giants can salvage and be competitive in the NFC East come the end of the season. What do you mean by competitive? Like you know, within within striking distance, re- record wise or game record wise, game to game competitiveness and give me two game to game competitiveness and then record wise, say come around week twelve that it's 
in the realm of possibilities that the Giants can sneak up and become eight and eight or become close to the division title. Eight and eight. Like, is can eight and eight be? I'm gonna say ten percent confidence there. I'm gonna say sixty percent confidence that they will be competing uh, on a week to week basis. That they're a frisky team. So that kind of contradicts what you just said about the season being lost. No, I didn't say. In standing wise, it is. It, those well, are different. Those are different things. Well, that becomes the conversation then of the Eli Manning quarterback conversation, right? Obviously, there's some people like me who thought we should have taken a quarterback, and that's going to be a conversation that's going but, but, to continue uh, and continue. Hold on, I'm sorry. it's going to continue, especially when Sam Darnold across the way performs well. Sam Darnold it's, has an offensive line. Sure, and he has a run game that really worked today, and I get it. But they're not going to win a lot of games. But I'm just saying, it's going to be brought up. Whether you like it or not, one of the topics of conversation surrounding the Giants is going to be Odell and whatever he happens to say during the week, and Eli Manning, should he be the quarterback? Do they need to draft the quarterback? If this team's 2-8, and eight, they're drafting we're, a quarterback. we're going to be talking about the, the quarterbacks in college. We're going to be talking about the Oregon quarterback, and we're going to be talking about these other guys. So, basically... If that conversation comes around, is what confidence is there to draw? What pauses are is there to draw if that conversation continues to hang around? Basically, is my point. It's like Eli Manning gets hate. He's been getting national hate at this point. He's not just getting New York hate. People are saying he's washed. He's done. He's a shot fighter. He's got nothing to give. Even if they're competitive game to game, but they're not winning, do we reach week twelve and go? Well, it's over. Eli's gone again. We had this whole thing over again another year. Is that is that is that inevitable at this point? Is it inevitable to have the conversation again that Eli's done and he's not coming back or he is or the Giants are gonna stand by him? Is this gonna happen again? No, I think this is his last year anyway. I, mean, I think it's his last year of his contract, isn't it? Not sure, I'll check. No. But um yeah, I'm not really too worried about that. I I I I've said this a million times. We need to draft an offensive line before we draft a quarterback. You put a quarterback into this same exact situation, he's going to have worse numbers than Eli Manning because that offensive line is not good. On the special, it, it's really only on the right side. The left side's been fine uh, with Soder and, uh, and, and uh, Hernandez. We have nothing on the right side, and you put any quarterback in that situation, they're going to be shit. He has one more year on his contract. After this? Yeah. Guaranteed? 2019. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not really too worried about it. Draft an offensive line. Draft an offensive line, you can make any quarterback good. Next year feels like the year where they do draft a guy and say he's going to sit behind Eli until it's over. <laughs> I thought it was this year. I thought this year would be the year we take Donald or Rosen and say, he's not going to start. Don't worry. It's still Eli's team. It's still Eli. Don't worry. But if we're 1-10, in 10, it's now not his team anymore. That feels like it's actually going to happen next year. Like almost no matter what at this point. Maybe. Probably. It kind of hurts. Yeah, I mean, I I stand by Eli till he dies. That's me, Eli. Eli I don't think you. Eli can die. I think he's gonna yeah, live to like one hundred and ten. He can't die. He's, <laughs> he's a vampire. He may be limp and like not have bodily motions anymore, but he'll just be living somewhere. He'll just be doing something. He'll just be hanging out, <laughs> like watching some weird TV shows. What what do, what TV shows do you think Eli watches? <laughs> he's a big Real Housewives guy. Big Real Housewives guy. But like he knows it's silly, but he just it's a guilty pleasure for him. He just likes to watch it. I feel like he's he's low key on the bachelor the bachelor blogs. Oh, uh, blogs. Yeah, he's he's like uh, he's maybe. like he's like hardcore. It's he like for sure watches it. It's like Eli. Sure. Yeah, you know, Eli. Do you watch uh, any sports on your spare time? You're like a basketball fan, baseball fan. Oh uh, no, actually, uh, I, uh, you ever watch <laughs> The Bachelorette? Oh yeah, yeah, The Bachelorette, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bachelor of Paradise, Bachelorette. <laughs> did you see what Loretta did? <laughs> um, yeah, he for sure loves The Bachelor. He loves reality television. I can tell you that. For Has sure. to. Has to. That's great. All right. Well, you know, love Eli. Hurts to watch it. I think the end is near. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know where I stood before the season. But week to week, competitiveness is all we can ask for. And I think, I Do think you look bad today. No. He, did, he, he, didn't really look, he didn't look bad. I think he looked really good in a lot of games this week, year. Last thing I want to say before we move on to some Knicks chatter, just for funsies at the end of this podcast here. Um, before this week's game, I was talking to some coworkers and some friends, and I was thinking about how Eli has led the league in picks and has thrown more picks and touchdowns before in his career and, and all this stuff. And I, I kind of thought to myself, now tell me if I'm crazy here, I'd rather have interception-prone Eli, who moves the ball down the field and takes risks and really tries to make big plays, rather than check down Eli, who doesn't throw a pick ever. For sure. It, like, I said that, and somebody kind of looked at me like, 
you want you want twenty five picks this year? I'm like, we honestly, winning. we were winning a lot though. Honestly, I would rather take risky, frisky Eli, who's throwing the ball down the field and throwing a pick or two every game, who also throws for for three hundred and fifty yards. Yeah, man, it was awesome. He would, he would just chuck it downfield to like Plaxico or Hakeem Nix or something like that. One of those big guys, you know, like six eight and just. Pow- oh, I miss Hakeem Nix now. Now I'm sad. Hakeem Nix, man, drops every pass. What? Uh, now he had some great moments. No, he, but he dropped. He dropped a ton of passes. Hakeem Nix was awesome. He had huge hands. Huge. He had huge hands. Absolutely huge hands, but soft hands. There was also I saw a lot of energy, just specifically out of him targeting Odell down the field. It really. I know it sounds like. That was a Stupid. great throw, by the way, and a great the one catch. that he oh, and also the one he didn't catch that got broken up. A great play by a defender. Yes, those types of plays just need to happen consistently. You need to take the chances. All these teams who like we just like we're watching the Dallas Texans game right now. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, they get like four or five deep targets a game, and they come down with one or two. It changes the entire game. We need to do that with Sterling. We need to do that with Odell. And when Engram yeah, gets like, back, it's like hitting it needs a three-run homer instead of a, instead of a, a one-run homer. You know, it needs to happen. The home runner die mentality needs to enter the Giants' uh, playbook a little bit, a little bit. And it was there today. I liked it. Anyways, Sports Blog New York podcast. Pete Kennedy, Al Gargento. We're going to segue to something exciting. The New York Knicks. Yay! David Fisdale. <laughs> woo! <laughs> Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. Woo! Lonzo Trier, Isozo. We only have about. What, three more weeks to be excited about the Knicks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before it all comes crashing down and burning. But, you know, uh, this was going to happen again with the Knicks. They're going to be, um, you know, 12-8, and eight, right? And because the East is so weird and kind of whack, they're going to be 12-8 and eight and in third place, right? And we're gonna be like, yo, the Knicks, maybe they're going to fight for the AC. They're in third right now. They're going to be they're gonna be fun all year. And then all of a sudden, we'll be 14-13, and 13, or like 13, I should say, 13-14. and 14. No, when, when does it usually <laughs> crash down? It's around Christmas time. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, Christmas is like the benchmark for when the Knicks season's over. <laughs> Every single time. I feel like it's always against the Celtics. Am I wrong? Doesn't it feel like it's always against the Celtics that we lose the season? Or the Sixers or like somebody like that. I think we put the Bucks on Christmas this year. Well, it's not always just Christmas Day. It's like around that time. And I feel like it's always the Celtics. All right. Well, let's stay positive here for a second. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. And I, I, I think I do a good job of saying as unbiased as possible. And this is how I sincerely feel about the Knicks right now. They are not, they're not like, there's no A's, right? There's no A's, but there's a lot of B pluses. Not a lot. (laughs) Hold on. There are some B pluses. There are some B's, B minuses, and C pluses, but there's not a lot of F's. The, The Knicks are sneaky deep. Yeah. They don't have specific weaknesses but they don't have specific strengths. And that's going to lead to a lot of ups and downs, a lot of losses. Obviously, we're expecting that. But there's a real vibe to this team that they are going to do fun things for a lot of the season. And there's going to be... Re- Basically, the Knicks are giving us reasons to turn on MSG a couple nights a week. And I for think sure. that's fair for now. For sure. So, Isozo. Okay. I love that even Fizdale was like, listen, I don't want it to happen, but hey, you know what? He's, that's what he's good at. Let's just let him do it. Are you nervous that he's going to take away from Frank? Do you think he's going to take Frank's minutes? I think whoever is performing will take away whoever is not performing's minutes in David Fizdale's offense, which is all I want. And that will cause the, the cream to rise to the top, right? Yeah. So I don't really care who performs. I don't care if, if if Frank's not getting minutes, he doesn't deserve the minutes. That's what it seems like. It seems like it's a meritocracy this year, and that's all I ever want with the Knicks. So when Fizdale was first hired, you were not a big fan of the hire. No, but he's been saying everything the right way. So you're buying in now, right? And he's saying so many great things about every player. Like I could, I could, I could go across the line right now, and you know we said it about Isozo. He goes, "We like ball movement. We don't want ball stoppers." But that one dude. Isozo, they call him that for a reason. He's the one guy who I don't mind stopping the ball because he's good at it, right? Then I look at the rest of his team. I think about Hazonia. I think about Knox. I think about Tim. I think about Frank. I think about Moutier. I think about Trey Burke. Any of those guys who I just named, if they have the ball coming up the break, I feel like they can make a play. And that's not something we could have said the past couple of years. Ball handling was not something we had the past couple of years. That's why we had to give Melo the ball in the, put, in the ISO because we had nothing else to do. 
Yeah, we have people who can penetrate the paint for the first time in like six years. We have multiple guys who can run the pick and roll, multiple guys who can get to the rim, or you don't mind pulling up for a jump shot. And I think that calls for some exciting basketball. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, status of Mitchell Robinson, by the way? Sprain ankle. And will he be good for, for opening day? Yeah, he's good. Okay. So I'm going to name three guys to you, and I just wanted you to say, rank your excitement for him. Mario Hazonia, Trey Burke, and um, Emmanuel Moutier. Rank your excitement levels for the three of those in the Knicks uniform this year. Trey, Moutier, uh, Hazonia. Okay, Trey I think is good, is obvious, because he actually performed last year, and he did really good things on the court. Moutier. What can we expect out of the guy like this this year? I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he's a lottery talent. What was he, the sixth pick overall? Mm -hmm. Um, He he can penetrate a lot. He makes stupid bonehead decisions. He's not that great great on defense, but you can fix a lot of what he does wrong. Uh, And I think that he he didn't really have a fit in Denver. I think he could find a place here. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped about him. And I think, I actually think that. You know, it's not like the you know how they always say like two, if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one. Right. I don't think it's that way in basketball because if you have a coach that's going to allow you to compete for your job, uh, compete for your minutes, I think we have a lot of really high ceiling guards on our team, very low floor guards on our team as well. But I think that those type of people need to be together because they they make each other better and drive them to go forward. So I'm just excited for guard play in general this year. I think we have super talented guards who do different things. Um, none of them are really like each other. You know, it's not like Frank and Moody are similar. It's not like uh, Trier and and uh, and Trey Burke are similar. They're probably the the two. Well, I guess they are. They're kinda. the two more similar of of the bunch. But Trey can facilitate the ball and move move the ball around a little bit. But uh, Lonzo is not going to move the ball around at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he made a couple good passes. Another guy I want to mention who has made some really nice plays in the preseason so far, and another guy who is a chip on the shoulder, lottery pick, already got sent away from his first team, and it's uh, Noah Vonley. Oh, oh, you know I'm a big Noah Vonley guy. <laughs> no, Noah Vonley is the guy who, who you just fill your roster with in 2K because he's a 74 <laughs> and he's still 21, right? <laughs> yeah. he, he's a 74 in 2K. And he's 20, 22 or twenty three years old now, and you're like, you know, this guy's potential is a B plus. Maybe he'll grow. We have an opening at the Ford till at least December, so maybe he can take that instead of his own. Who knows? And he has looked strong, aggressive, assertive, dunking on people. I mean, there's something to be said about what we what we kind of like cling to as Knicks fans. It's like the the gritty guys. It's why we like Ron Baker because he's diving on the floor. We have a bunch of guys who should be diving on the floor this year. We have a bunch of guys who, if this doesn't work out for them, they may be in the G League or be playing in China. And I think that's that's possibly one of the best things you can say about a young team. Low risk, keep our draft picks, wait for Porzingis to get back. And, and, I mean, Noah's going to be on his way out. Who are we paying? Cantor for this this year, Lee for one more year, and Tim Hardaway. Is this going to be a year where Lance Thomas is going to be really heavily highlighted again? Because I'm, I, I, I just every year I wait for that year to be over, and it's every year he just. Lance Thomas has really grown on me. No, he's really grown on me. He is, he is the true vet. Big fan of pump fakes. He's the true vet of the team. He's like 26. He's not that old. He's the (laughs) vet. He sucks. He He plays deep. He actually looks more fluid in the preseason than I've ever seen him look offensively ever. He's like still a duke. He's he's like he's not old. <laughs> I I I assume Lance Thomas will be starting until somebody plays well enough to take the spot, but he will he will be a minutes guy all year long. Oh, I'm so sick. I'm just every you know a lot of the games have been on during other games, you know, so I'm watching I'm look, just looking at the box score and stuff like that, the highlights and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I just keep seeing Lance Thomas being like our highest point getter, and I'm like, I, that can't be good. We all, I'm like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we all know that's not a sustainable model. We know that Lance Thomas isn't going to be getting buckets in the regular season because you know pump fakes don't count for points. Uh, <laughs> but if they did, though, if they did, my God, my God, we'd never lose a game again. We'd have a 200 to, to uh, 190. Uh, I mean, a 200 uh, to 90 uh, uh, point total. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. There you go. I'm, I'm out of it, dude. I'm tired. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good time to call it a day here, huh? That's it. That's a, basically what I wanted to do here by just chatting about the Knicks. There's a reason for us to turn on MSG. It's still Yankee season. Hold right? on. Hold on. Hold on. What? Knicks fans will always turn on MSG. Of course, we're good of, fans. Of we're the course. best fans in sports. Of course, you are right. And Kevin, we didn't even talk about Kevin Knox. 
No. We didn't even talk about Kevin Knox because it's obvious that there's a reason for us to watch him. It's obvious that we need to see what he's going to do on the floor this year. Also, he is a very good rebounder. He's huge. Very good rebounder. Yeah, but he also boxes out well. He gets in position well. And the best thing, and this is what I kind of mentioned before about all these different guys who, if they're bringing the ball up the court on a break, you're like, okay, they can make something happen. What David Fisdale is making Kevin Knox do is grab the board and run. Yep. When was the last time we had a Knicks team that ran? Ran in transition? No, I can't remember that. Jason Kidd, when he was 40 and looked like Elma Fudd. (laughs) That was it. So, you know, Yankees are still playing, and obviously they're going to take the hype until the season's over. But on the Yankees off nights, when it's not Sunday or the Giants Jets are playing on Thursday or Monday— uh, which I think they're pretty much done with those games. The Jets already played a Monday, whatever. Giants are playing. Giants playing this Thursday. There's going to be good reason to to think about, talk about, and watch the Knicks for at least the good first half of this season. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Christmas time's a while away. Actually, we'll have a newfound enthusiasm because Chris House will be back around that time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, that's it, man. NBA Outsiders content coming soon. We got uh, over-unders for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference coming in the next week or two. Uh, We're going to get those out before the season starts. So, you know, if you're so inclined to make a futures bet, you can do that maybe based off some NBA Outsiders stuff. Did you buy 2K yet? Uh, No, I told you that I need to finish Spider-Man first. Spider-Man's been out for like three months. Well, I don't have that much time, Alec, okay? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I'm at 70%. All right, I'm close. You've you've had enough time to put in 70% of the work. Just put it in the 30%. I I will. I'm going to go home and play tonight. Okay. I just want to play 2K with my buddy. That's it. All right. Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento. Peace. Sports Blog New York Podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. And I will say this with you. Go Yanks. Go Yanks.